tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast and happy dry July. I'm Jill and today I want to talk about 10 things that no one tells you about quitting drinking. Most of us have no idea what to expect when we stop drinking because usually when we quit, we're so ashamed, we just try to get through the beginning. We hear people online say how grateful they are for hangover-free mornings and sober sleep, but what about dreaming that you drink alcohol? So this episode is about the positives, but mostly the unexpected neutrals or negatives that you encounter when you stop drinking. Make sure to go listen to episode 80 if you're participating in Dry July because I talked about the benefits of quitting drinking for one month, and those are the positive physical and mental improvements you'll experience. 
There are a lot of episodes that I'm going to reference during this one, but instead of doing that a ton of times, I will just list them out in the show notes. So if there's anything I go over that you want to learn more about, then just check out the show notes after the episode. So let's dig in. One, you are going to get emotional. Even if you weren't consciously drinking Nicole, that's what you were doing by drinking all the time. When you first stop drinking, it's really common to have a flood of emotions come back, and they're usually negative emotions. For me, it was intense rage, but for others, it might be intense anxiety. We used alcohol to control our feelings and our mental state. Every time we had an emotion that we didn't like or felt something mildly uncomfortable, we controlled it with alcohol and instantly changed it. When you first stop drinking, you don't know how to regulate your emotions at all, so they all just appear. Just know that it's okay if you feel a little out of control. You are learning to feel feelings again. A 2008 study published in Addictive Behaviors looked at emotion regulation in early sobriety for people with alcohol use disorder in treatment compared to social drinkers. People with AUD struggled with emotion regulation much more than the social drinkers, specifically with being aware of what their emotions are and with controlling their impulses. After about a month, People with alcohol use disorder significantly improve their ability to be aware of what they are feeling and why they are feeling that way, but they still struggled with impulse control. The newly sober people were in treatment where they were receiving support and therapy to learn these skills. So just because we stop drinking doesn't mean everything is going to automatically get better. We have to put in the work to learn to manage our emotions, so please keep that in mind. If you're feeling highly emotional and out of control, that will improve as your brain heals, but it will improve a lot more if you do the work to learn what you are feeling and why. Number two, you're going to have dreams that you're drinking alcohol. These dreams are really vivid, so be mentally prepared. You'll probably wake up believing that you drank for a few seconds before you realize it was just a dream. This can cause guilt and shame, so just be prepared for that. The reason these dreams happen is because alcohol suppresses REM sleep. REM sleep is where we dream, and it's critical for proper brain functioning and emotional well-being. Lack of REM sleep for years is another contributor to why we exist in a mental fog while we're drinking. Our brain can't function correctly and our emotions are all over the place because we aren't sleeping properly. Even if you feel like alcohol helps you sleep, passing out from drinking alcohol is more like going under anesthesia than it is like going to sleep. You're just clicking off. You're not actually restoring yourself. So when we stop drinking, we get REM rebound because the brain starts to quickly heal now that it isn't being blasted by alcohol all the time. REM rebound usually starts after about five to six days of sobriety, and this means that we start having more periods of REM sleep and they last longer. So overall, you are getting more REM than the average person. 
The purpose of dreaming is to process our emotions, store memories and things that we learn during the day, and recycle unimportant memories. In early sobriety, you're having a lot of emotions about not drinking and probably feeling a bit anxious about it too. Since you're having more REM sleep than ever, you're also dreaming again. This is why we have nightmares about drinking alcohol. More REM and because not drinking is on our mind a lot. I barely had any dreams at all while I was drinking. Number three, you're going to crave sugar. Craving sugar is very common from what I've seen online and it gets most of us. There are some myths like alcohol is made out of sugar, so that's why you're craving it, which I have broken down in a previous episode. The truth is alcohol is our main source of instant gratification. And now that that's gone, our mind knows sugar is the next best thing that's easily accessible. Studies have found that food activates similar pathways in the reward system as drugs and alcohol do. So we're eating so much sugar, not because our bodies crave it, but because we're trying to get the same effect in our brain. I have also seen studies that found that your appetite for sweets is related to your appetite for alcohol. So when you try to cut one out, you'll have cravings for the other. So during prohibition, when alcohol was not available, the consumption of sugar shot up like crazy. So this experience is super normal. Some people will say it only lasts a few months, but I think that it kind of lasts forever. For most of us, after a few months, you might feel like you don't have to indulge all the time anymore, but I've gone through cycles where I'm crazy about sugar and then other times that it's not that important to me. And it probably depends on our stress levels too. So you might have cravings for a few months and then they go away, or you might have cravings that come and go in cycles like mine have, but all of it is normal. Number four, you're going to think about sobriety a lot. If you haven't done this yet, then I want you to set aside some time to add up all of the hours that you spent drinking, recovering from drinking, and thinking about your drinking. The last one, thinking about your drinking, probably took up the most time. We spend so much energy thinking about if we can drink, how to make sure we don't have too much, and beating ourselves up for drinking. When you stop drinking, you free up a ton of time, but some of this will probably be converted into thinking about not drinking. Most people think that I have a team that helps me with everything I do. I don't. I'm just some lady who's really obsessed with sobriety. My sobriety obsession allows me to spend almost all my time working on this podcast, writing ebooks, posting on Instagram, interacting in my Facebook group, and creating my business. When I was around 18 months sober, I started to feel frustrated that I was thinking about sobriety literally all the time. I thought, is this what it's going to be like forever? Do I either have to obsess about alcohol or obsess about sobriety? And this is where a lot of people fall off and go back to drinking. So be mindful once you get to 18 months. The frustration of having to think about sobriety all the time can lead some people to seek balance, which might mean drinking occasionally, which we all know is impossible. If you go on Instagram too, you'll see that a big portion of sober influencers that are the most active are under two years sober. 
Many of us get so excited about our sobriety that we just want to spread the word and help as many people as we can. We're shocked that life could be this good. And this is why so many newly sober people will become coaches, write a book, start a podcast, start a blog or YouTube channel or whatever. We have all of this energy and want to help people who are suffering like we did. And I found that right around the two-year mark, most sober influencers kind of back off a little bit. So it's just something that I thought was interesting. If you find yourself obsessing about sobriety, then just go with it for right now. Try to channel that energy into doing something productive. Having this podcast is a lot of accountability for me. My work is too important and that helps me get through triggers or any weird thoughts about moderation. Number five, things might get worse before they get better. Some people have a pink cloud and other people don't. I had a really big one, but it's okay if you don't have one. The pink cloud is really nice, but falling off of it sucks. So if you never get a pink cloud, you're also missing the bad part at the end. Some of us stop drinking and feel amazing and excitable right away, and other people will feel like crap. If you're in the second group, then just know you're not alone. Your body is healing and removing alcohol allows us to become aware of how we're feeling all the time. When we're hungover, our baseline wellness is so low and we don't really care because we're used to it. When you get sober, you start to become more aware of how you feel. So this can be both good and bad depending on what your situation is. Now I'm really sensitive to not sleeping. If I don't sleep well, then I feel hungover and I don't like that. Where before I was sleeping like four hours a night because I had to stay awake hating myself for the other four hours and then I'd go about my day as normally as I could. Other things that might get worse before they get better are your skin, your energy level, and you might experience extra brain fog too in the beginning. I developed really painful acne for the first five to six months of sobriety, and then it went away and never came back. Alcohol disrupts our hormones, including like everything else that's going on in the body, and it takes time for your hormones to balance back out to normal. Fatigue is really common too, especially in the beginning. And this is because your body learns to run on alcohol for fuel. When you remove the alcohol, you've lost your body's main source of energy. So your brain has to learn to utilize glucose for energy again instead of alcohol. Number six, you might have trouble with your mental health. Alcohol does a really good job at temporarily fixing our problems. A study from 2017 in rodents found that alcohol can partially reverse brain chemistry issues that lead to depression in animals with neurochemical imbalances, but not in animals that don't have brain chemistry imbalances. So what that means is the rewarding effects of alcohol are enhanced for people that have chemical depression, which makes us more likely to develop an addiction because we're more likely to drink to cope. Same thing if you have anxiety. Alcohol stimulates our main inhibitory neurotransmitter called GABA and it calms us down. So in low doses, alcohol may have some antidepressant and anti-anxiety effects, but drinking regularly causes us to build up a tolerance. So then we need more alcohol to achieve the same effect. But the problem is, in chronic high doses, alcohol makes depression and anxiety worse. So then we keep needing to drink to try to manage something that drinking is causing. 
I've received some messages recently from a couple people who struggle with health anxiety. They're struggling to stay sober because their health anxiety gets so bad when they don't drink. Some were worried that drinking did permanent damage, which caused this kind of anxiety. But what's more likely is they always had health anxiety and alcohol just covered it up. So remember, I'm not a doctor or a therapist, so please talk to a professional if you're struggling with your mental health. But it's really common for mental health issues to show up when someone stops drinking. I've seen a lot of other people too, especially women, say that they've received an ADHD diagnosis when they stopped drinking. So instead of beating yourself up for it or using alcohol to cope with it, try to see this as a positive thing. Now that you don't drink, you can take steps to work on your mental health. And thank goodness you stopped and realized you had something else going on so you didn't have to continue to suffer. So if you're struggling with any other mental health condition, then just search for that in your podcasting app and see what comes up. So just like this podcast is about sobriety, there are podcasts that are just about ADHD or just about anxiety too. Number seven, your friendships might change. When we're drinking, we typically surround ourselves with people who want to drink like we do. When you suddenly stop drinking, these friendships might change. You might stop getting invited to things or friends might become distant. Something that's important for you to realize is which friendships were just drinking buddies and which ones had actual substance. Back when I was drinking, if one of my drinking buddies got sober and started to be happier, I would have no interest hanging out with them. Why would I want to hang out with a sober person when I want to just get drunk and party all the time? Try to think of it that way if your friendships change. It's not you at all. It's not that you're not enough or that they don't like you. It's that someone who wants to drink and party has no interest in doing that with a sober person. And many of us feel like we have to challenge ourselves in sobriety and that life shouldn't have to change because we stopped drinking. But it's okay for things to change. We lived a life that was focused on alcohol. So we can't expect to live the same life and just not drink alcohol. You're probably not going to want to stay at parties and social events as long as you used to. Because when you're not drinking, standing around in a room gets boring after a couple hours. It's okay for things to change. And if you're used to making drinks for people or getting them drinks from the fridge. You just don't have to do that. Like you don't have to buy drinks for people or make drinks for people. So it is okay for things to change. Not drinking is a huge lifestyle change. Number eight, your self-esteem will hopefully improve and you'll begin to trust yourself again. Alcohol beats down our self-worth and makes us lose trust in ourselves. When you stop drinking, you keep a promise to yourself every day that you won't drink. After a while, you start to build up a lot of trust in yourself and you can use that in all areas of your life. That's how I came up with the name Sober Powered. I felt like I was gaining power every day that I stayed sober because I was learning to believe in myself again. If I can keep this big promise to myself that I'm not going to drink, then what else can I do? When we stop constantly letting ourselves down, we can take steps to make our life better. So you might find that your self-esteem and your self-worth improves a lot in sobriety. This also led me to respect myself, so I made better food choices too. I learned what foods made me feel bad and which ones made me feel good. And because I started respecting myself more, my body image improved. It's not a 
thin thing. I'm not saying that sobriety lets you lose weight so then you feel better. Body image issues happen to people regardless of their physical appearance. So what I've found is that when I started respecting my body and keeping my promises to myself, my baseline wellness improved from no alcohol. And I just naturally had better body image because my mental health was improving the whole time too. Number nine, your mind is probably going to tell you that you can drink again. After a certain amount of sober time, your mind will probably start to tell you that you're cured now and you can drink normally. That maybe you never even had a problem at all or that you went overboard on getting sober and you just needed a break or that you've learned so much you'll never let alcohol control you again. This is why it's important to have support. If you're just trying to willpower your way through not drinking, then these thoughts are difficult to resist. You can get a sense of accountability through meetings, working with a therapist, and making sober friends. What helps me when I have these thoughts is to remind myself that people who can drink and move on with their lives never think about being cured or that it's going to be different this time because they just don't care that much. So I see it as a sign that I'm definitely not cured. So if you're having these thoughts, then it's a sign that it's definitely not going to be different. And this just shows us how easily we can go back into obsessing about alcohol and thinking about our drinking all the time. And number 10, quitting drinking doesn't fix everything, but it allows you to start doing the work. This is the part that most people forget. We think drinking was the problem and now that we stopped, we're good. Drinking was definitely a problem, but there's a reason that you drank a thousand drinks and didn't deal with your life for years. When we get sober, we have a lot of work to do. And that's what not drinking does. It gives us the opportunity to do this work. We have to develop some emotional maturity, learn how to communicate with others, learn how to be proactive and not reactive, learn real coping skills, and so much more. So you may not experience all of these things, but I hope if any of them pop up, you remember this episode and that you're prepared. And don't forget, if you want to learn more about any of these topics, I will have other episodes referenced in the show notes. So if you made it this far, thank you for sticking with me. I know this was a longer one and I will talk to you next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.